0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be finishing up with my review of the viral podcast series, Fed Up. I'm going to be reviewing reviewing number six today, What the F Happened, which is the finale. So very excited to get into that. They did not disappoint. This episode was phenomenal. First, a little personal health update. So, well, first, actually, thank you to all my listeners who reached out. I do appreciate hearing from all of you and sharing your comments and sharing your thoughts on uh, on the podcast. And and you know, you're all so sweet and very kind. So I do appreciate you reaching out. Uh, as far as my own health journey is going this week, I am getting back on track after a very indulgent weekend. Um, I don't know this weekend. I just, I felt I had a crazy sweet tooth. Some days I, so, there's some days I crave sweet stuff more and there's some days I crave salty stuff more. And I usually have to go in between, but some, some days it's like really strong. Like I'm just craving sweetness. And so I, I mean, I ate everything <laughs> that was not nailed down this weekend. I had, this Nashville fried chicken sandwich with French fries and pasta and Dairy Queen and marble pound cake with icing and Rice Krispie bars, three martinis on Sunday. Who does that? That's, that would be me. Uh, (laughs) I went out with my, with two of my uh, really good friends and, you know, we needed to have some girl talk and we needed to catch up. And the best way to do that is over a martini. Now if you drink alcohol, uh, I, they were delicious martinis, I have to say. Uh, but I felt on Monday I woke up and I was just feeling like polluted, just, ugh. and, and the good thing over the weekend though, is I did work out a lot. So <clears throat> I did have some balance, uh, which always does make me feel a little bit better. I think if I hadn't worked out, I definitely would have gained like five to seven pounds. I only gained like three. So got back on track on Monday And today's going well. Like meal prepped. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the salmon that I way overcooked, but I'm still going to eat it. I mean, when I cook a piece of salmon like that during a healthy week, I'm not eating it for deliciousness. I'm eating it because it's a source of protein. It'll keep me full. You know, some days I like to get up, and especially if I've had a really indulgent weekend, and I like to. You know, I have my coffee, work out around like 11 a.m., 10 a.m. maybe. And then instead of eating my protein shake, which does have a a good amount of carbs in it, healthy carbs, uh, I'll eat just that piece of salmon with a little pesto. And so it kind of, I think it helps me, you know, burn off some of the carbs I've stored over the weekend. Anyway, so yeah, so I'm determined to eat that disgusting salmon that I cooked. It's way overcooked, but whatever. Uh, so, and, and I'm going on vacation next week. I leave next Monday. So next Monday, you're going to hear a, a, a podcast that I taped last week. Um, and then I'll talk about my vacation when I come back, but I want to be extra. I want to work out extra this week and try to eat as clean as I possibly can. So I, have, you know, so I can be extra indulgent when I go home. I'm going to my my favorite restaurant in Maine. Um, again, people that follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me share some of their posts. It's called Primo. Oh my God. They have a farm in the back. They, you know, they grow their own vegetables. It's true farm's table from like literally their backyard. It's, and it's Italian and oh, chef Melissa Kelly, James Beard award winner. I mean, I can't wait anyway. All right. So let's get into fed up. So this one again is number six, what the F happened. And so it starts out and now, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting to hear some of your opinions. A lot of you have shared your opinions where a lot of you were on Tanya's side before this episode and the outcome of this episode made a lot of you kind of turn on Tanya. So, um, so I'll share my opinion at the end um, and as I go through, but, um, you know, like most, I, I'm able to put myself in everyone's shoes, so I do understand a lot of people's sides, but I will say towards the end of the episode, Tanya does say something that is incredibly offensive, and I understand why a lot of people turned on her because of this statement, Um but i also know that sometimes we say stupid things that we don't always mean especially when we're doing a live or like i've heard podcasts that i've like heard back and i'm like why did i say that i didn't that's like not what i what i really think so again i i try to put myself in everyone's shoes with that said I also understand why people were incredibly offended. So let's get into it. So this it starts out with, you know, kind of this mystery. It's it's like there's this woman in a strip mall. She's meeting her at a Starbucks. You meet this woman named Fran. And, you know, she talks about how she's, she's meeting this woman in this, like, this parking lot doing like this you know kind of sounds like a shady deal and it kind of like it's building the suspense like who is this person that she's meeting and she texts this person to let her know she's there this woman is in a you know beautiful high-end car she's in a lexus she walks over to the window and and again we still don't know who this person is she doesn't get out and we learned that the woman that we do know, Fran, had met this woman through an F Factor social media page on Facebook. And so Fran was a regular on these pages after she discovered the F Factor diet. And so you hear Fran come on, who's, you know, very likable. And she talks about how she loves the waffles, she loves the F Factor diet, um, you know, and, and she's she's a true enthusiast. And she loved that she had found this community that she really related to. And, you know, and she loved the fact that she could interact with other people on this diet on this, on these Facebook pages. And so she talks about how all of a sudden the tone in these chat rooms went from very positive to very negative. And she's like... Everyone's talking all of a sudden about how they're having issues, they're having digestive issues, and they want to get rid of their powders. And Fran's like, I don't get it. She's like, but whatever. She's like, these, these are expensive powders. I usually have to spend, you know, $45 for a bag of it. So, Hey, if people are giving out free powder or they're selling theirs off for much cheaper, great. Like I see an opportunity here. So hence, this is what this parking lot meeting is all about. So the woman's in her mid forties, you know, the narrator's like great age. I also agree. That's a great age. (laughs) And, uh, so she hands this, this Fran a bag and she's like almost apologizing. She's like, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm so sorry. Like it just didn't work out for me. And, and Fran's like, great. I'm stoked. Like I, I will use these like a year loss is my gain. And so, you know, it's like, how has this whole situation devolved into like, Back, you know, parking lot powder deals, right? And, and it, it, you know, what started out, you know, you hear the narrator come on, and, you know, what started out as some simple customer service complaints and alleged health concerns has devolved into this trolling, you know, Instagram trolling and conspiracy theories and name calling and amateur detectives and back alley deals and all of this craziness has developed. From you know from from maybe some some things that should have been just handled through a customer service department and so so after Emily found out about the fact that the New York Times article had discovered that the miscarriage that the miscarriage story was fake, she went on Instagram and she's like, look I'm I'm she does a video she's like, look, I'm not gonna post anyone anonymous because that that's how she had gotten, Really, she'd lost credibility is because she had posted this anonymous, um, you know, account of somebody lying and saying that they had had a miscarriage on an F-factor. She's like, look, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not posting fake stories. And also, you know, for those of you that are out there that have been dealing with this stuff, like I have never had a bad experience from actually doing the diet she's like so i can't have people stay anonymous anymore like i need you people that are going through this to come out and go on the record and so then you hear from this woman marcy mckenzie and she reaches out and she's like hi emily and so this is a woman that we meet and and is introduced as somebody who had done the diet but she's one of those people that did not have a good experience doing the diet And so she'd started out liking F-Factor. She thought it was, she, at first her thoughts of the F-Factor diet was that it seemed like a very healthy way to eat. You know, it's science-based, it makes sense. It seemed easy, but then apparently for her at least, the illusion of this easy diet was very short-lived. She'd done it because she wanted to get healthier, but then she's like, I'm basically doing math all day and and i I relate to this because I'm terrible at math and, um, you know, I, I personally am someone that also does not like to count things. Um, and, and this Marcy woman is saying that because of the F factor diet, she got, she was like grew to be just terrified of carbs. And so you hear Tanya coming on and it must have been a social media post or something she had done where she was like educating. And she's like, there's 62 grams of carbs in four slices of Wonder Bread. She's like, there is, there are 16 grams of carbs in one cup of Oatly milk. She's like, imagine that you're putting a piece of bread in your coffee cup and then pouring coffee on top. So, I mean, she must have had somebody that, like, had four cups of coffee a day with a cup of Oatly milk, and she's equating the amount of carbs in four slices of Wonder Bread to the amount of carbs in Oatly milk, which is oat milk, very processed. Like, I don't know if any of you have heard about the Oatly debacle that just happened. Like, they had to recall, I believe it was Oatly. I could be wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure that's the, the name brand of the oat milk that... Um, got recalled for contamination issues. And I mean, it's supposed to be like the new popular like milk. I like almond milk. I, I, you know, it's healthy. It's low carb. It's low sugar. It's, you know, it's very light, but it's also satisfying like a milk product would be. So that's that's what I personally choose. But she's comparing people that might, you know, put oatly milk or an oat-based milk that I don't know if it, if, if I wonder if the source of carbs from oat milk comes from sugar because they add sweetener or whether it just has a lot of carbs because oatmeal is very carby I don't know Uh, I probably should have researched that before I got on, on here but if anybody knows feel free to message me and then you hear the narrator saying oh I guess I'll be throwing out my oat milk um but yeah I mean I'm when I drink coffee I drink black coffee I almost never put anything in it but when I do allow myself to have cereal I will use almond milk um and so, so Marcy comes back on and you hear her talking about how, you know, she didn't eat bread, she didn't eat pasta, she's like, none of this. She's like, I wasn't even eating fruit. And then you hear Casey, the narrator, come back on and she's like, yeah, she's like, that's because fruit contains sugar. It adds to your carb intake and you're only allowed to have 35 grams of net carbs on the F-factor diet. Now, that's what I found very interesting because I was I was very curious how many grams of carbs you were allowed. Now, I don't know a lot about how many carbs a person should intake in a typical day. Um, I've never been one to count my macros. Uh, the weight loss program that I did in the back in, in the past, I found very easy because you were just counting servings of food. Like you were counting, like you had you know, X amount of servings of protein a day and X amount of servings of fruit and X amount of servings of vegetables. Now you did have to be conscious like a half a cup to a cup, but that's pretty easy to, to remember and to measure. Like, I mean, a half a cup is basically like, you know, about a handful. So I don't know. I found that very easy, but I would, and maybe it gets easier if you're used to counting carbs and i'm sure there's a learning curve right and and maybe you get to know generally speaking the amount of carbs that are in a lot of popular foods i will say that after i was hearing this i was just curious and i went and counted so i took my monday's food intake well <laughs> up until like 6 p.m. anyway and I was like, let me just see how many carbs I had today and how many grams of fiber I had. Because on the F-Factor diet, you can take your the grams of fiber you've had and deduct, deduct that amount from the grams of carbs. Because you're allowed to have, you can only have 35 grams of net carbs, which means, you so say you have like 80 grams of carbs total, but you had 30 grams of fiber, then you only had 50 net carbs for the day. So I was just curious, just because I've never done it net counted before. And I was like, let me just see like what my normal intake. So on the F-factor diet, you're only allowed, to, you're supposed to have 35 grams of fiber. And um, and you can't have more than 35 grams of, of net carbs. So when I counted, you know the fiber that's in my protein shake. I was actually really surprised how much fiber avocado has in it. So um, so I counted all the fruit and all the stuff I put in my protein shake. I counted, um, what did I have? I had had, anyway, I'd eaten really what I thought really healthy yesterday and very light, uh, and my, my total intake at the end, and again, this is like by 6 p.m., I had had, 32 grams of fiber. So I do get a lot of fiber naturally in my own diet. I do eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. But I had had 114 grams of total carbs. And so when I subtracted the 32 from the 114, I was already at 82 grams of carbs. Now, I had had, uh, you know, some potato with my salad that night. If I was trying to lose weight, I might have deducted the potato. But if I'm being honest, that delicious buttery potato taking a nice bite of that warm potato with my bite of salad, that's what made the meal satisfying. Now, if I was trying to lose weight, I probably would have deducted that that potato and maybe put some salmon in my salad, but I also would have been starving and not satisfied at all because I just, I don't know, I need a little bit of bread, potato, pasta, like something. And and that was before I ate like almost a whole bag of biscotti <laughs> like I had them in my freezer that I'd gotten from Trader Joe's that's dipped in chocolate. And there was like my boyfriend had gotten these not even good ice cream bars from Dairy Queen the other night. Of course, they were still in my freezer speaking to me. And I had to have one of those, too. So and I had some chips. So I don't even know how many carbs I ended up with yesterday. But what I do know is that even when I was... What I thought was like really low for the day, I was not. So that's why F-Factor would never work for me because I do need more carbs in my diet. I just do. I'm, I'm Italian. I'm Greek. I'm Jewish. I I need my freaking carbs. And I, I would be one of these people that goes insane from trying to count my carbs. Uh, you know, I remember back when I had gained all that weight from the pandemic and I just started dating my boyfriend. He was telling me how he counts calories. Well, I try to do that too. And I just, I literally, it drove me to eat more. Like I literally, now when I do a whole foods diet, which means I don't count anything. I just eat, I try to eat only whole foods that day. And, and the rule is for myself, I can eat as much as I want, as long as I don't eat anything processed. It just has to be a whole food. And I eat as much fruit. I eat as much vegetables. I eat as much protein that, that works for me because I can eat as much as I want. I just have to eat a whole food, which, you know, you can, you know, if I'll eat a set of date with a little bit of almond butter, maybe. I mean, almond butter is slightly processed. Anyway, my point is, is that certainly different things work for different people. And and there are certain diets that can trigger absolutely eating disorders or disordered eating. Now, there's a lot of debate happening on Instagram of whether an eating disorder can be created by a diet. And people on both sides are are vehemently saying opposite things. People that are F-Factor fans are saying, you can't get an eating disorder from a diet. And people that are, you know, defending Emily and against F-Factor saying, absolutely, you can. So I... Actually I'm not an expert so I don't know but I will say just from personal experience no I've never had a full blown eating disorder but certainly disordered eating is what we're all trying to like get out of these days I think or a lot of us are anyway and I will say that having to count so many things either calories or grams of carbs absolutely would drive me insane and I and I I can see how that um, could create some disordered eating at least. So anyway, so let me get back to this, um, this, this Marcy woman who had actually done the diet. And so what she was saying was that, you know, she didn't eat an apple for three years. She said that would be half the day of carb grams, like of your grams of carbs that you're allowed to have one apple. See that alone would totally drive me crazy. If I felt like I couldn't eat An apple, because I no. That's so that's that is extreme. I mean, again, I've said it at the beginning of the series, like anything that's too extreme where you can't enjoy carbs, it wouldn't work for me. And it wouldn't work for a lot of people, but it does work for some people. But anyway, this woman, it certainly didn't. And she's like, I became so stressed out at trying to hit these target numbers. You know, your target number of grams of fiber, your target number of grams of carbs, and I can't go over. So You know, for her, it absolutely did trigger just some, some bad habits. And, you know, she just kept telling herself like, you know, look, diets aren't easy. That's just all this is. But then the pandemic hit, this woman, Marcy, ended up getting a roommate and, and having a roommate kind of reflect back at her. She started realizing that she really was, had these disordered eating habits And then she was scrolling, of course, on Instagram and then discovered Emily, you know, warning people, wanting people to come on and share their stories, wanting people to be open about their their, you know, maybe negative experience with F-Factor. And so she's like, yeah, she's like, well, you know, I'm on Instagram watching these videos, getting heated, drinking wine and getting even more, you know, agitated and emotional about it. And she's like, yeah, she's like the this is a bad diet. You know, I she kept seeing these reports of people claiming to have, you know, be sick. And and so she just felt like she she felt compelled at that point to reach out to Emily and to share her story. And so besides her, she said that, you know, the story goes on to talk about other people that, you know, reached out to Emily with their specific struggles, you know, with the F-Factor diet and the F-Factor products. And so, you know, Marcy had had just an issue with how limited the carbs were. But this woman, Anne, that came on, I'm sorry, Anna... She said she had started doing the F-factor diet in college. And Anna had a, a very pretty accent. I don't know what, maybe it's Russian, maybe it's German. I'm not sure exactly where she's from. But um, she said she would eat, you know, eat that that F-factor way every day. Um, and she started incorporating some of the powders when they came out. And she started having a lot of issues. She was like, there was just this buildup in in you know, in her bowel system, and she just all of a sudden stopped being regular. She couldn't have a bowel movement. and she got to the point where she was in so much physical pain over being constipated that she couldn't go out to dinner. she couldn't go hiking. and she was just like, why am I having all these issues?" She's like, I'm such a healthy eater. You know, she went to her doctor, her doctor gave her some like, um, enzymes and, and some other ideas on what she could do, but nothing helped. She she described it. She was in so, so, so much pain. She's like, it was really affecting her life. She's like, I, she's like, she's so uncomfortable. None of her clothes fit. And she really just like, couldn't figure out what was happening. And so, and then you hear Tanya in the background, they share some of her, you know, social media videos that she posted, just talking about how safe her products were and how she feeds these products to her children and how she wouldn't do that if, if there was anything wrong with these products. And and the thing is, is that this girl Anna that did have the digestive issues before she started incorporating the F Factor products, which is the 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 bars and the powders she said she she was actually eating the f-factor weight just fine she would naturally get over 35 grams of fiber into her diet with no issues you know she was regular it sounds like she just naturally ate you know a lot of whole foods that had a lot of fiber in them and you know her body processed fiber just fine um, but it was these powders that were really getting to her. Cause she would have like, she would kind of do what Tanya was doing. She'd have like her smoothie in the morning. She'd always have a bar in her pocket. I think she was having maybe two a day, which would be close to your intake of, of, of fiber for the day, not including any of the other foods. So she's somebody that ate very healthy anyway, and had a lot of fiber anyway. And then had these f factor products on top of them that is a tremendous amount of fiber not to mention that um, there is dairy and whey in these products so um so so anna this girl you know you hear that she ends up moving to europe she was going back to school And, you know, she didn't have the same type of access, uh, you know, to the F-factor powders anymore. So she just kind of ended up, you know, she stopped using them. And of course, once she stopped using those powders, uh, all the bloating and the constipation that she had been suffering with ended. And so then she she really didn't correlate the two, um, which is interesting because usually when you're that intuitive with your body you can really tell like when you've added something and and what it does but I you know she just she wasn't really considering that that her digestive issues were tied to those powders but then she ended up of course during the pandemic scrolling through Instagram like the rest of the world and her and her husband came across all the posts from Emily Gellis and she's like oh my god she's like that's exactly what happened to me and she's like But there was no response about it. She's like, she never saw a mention about it. She's like, she'd go on the F Factor website and there was never, not even one negative comment about somebody that might've experienced a similar issue. And she's like, you know, it would have been really nice to just know that there was a small percentage of other people that were having these same issues, because then I would have known, okay, I need to like adjust my intake. Like maybe instead of having it twice a day, I could have it once a day, or maybe instead of, you know, every day I could have it, you know, X amount of times per week. But at least having that knowledge would have empowered me to make these better choices for my own genetic profile and for my own digestive tract. So you know, she was just very upset. She's like, you know, I'm very upset that F-Factor wasn't responsible enough to address these issues head on and just to create some awareness around it for people like me. You know, it doesn't seem like this, you know, it's, it's a small percentage, but it's really important information to get out there. And so so she ends up being one of the people that goes on the record and joins in Emily's crusade. and And then you hear Emily talking about how, you know, a lot of people were kind of talking about, you know, is there a class action lawsuit? And Emily's like, look, it's not my battle. Like, I'm not someone who did the diet. I didn't have digestive issues. She's like, I'm just trying to do the right thing and expose this so that people can get the answers that they need. She's like, but you know, look, I, I have a lot of, of attorneys that follow me on Instagram. And so I can connect people to attorneys so that they can have their story heard. And if if a class action makes a class action lawsuit makes sense they can they can you know move forward with it and so so Anna ends up getting a connection from Emily you know she Emily asks you know can I use your name can I introduce you and, and Anna's like absolutely I'm happy to talk to an attorney about this and so you know so these attorneys start you know, gathering all this information and and speaking to a bunch of people that that really did have a negative experience using either the F-Factor diet or products. And so it seems like, you know, a a potential lawsuit against F-Factor might be moving forward. Um, But then Anna says she gets freaked out by the following occurrence, which ends up being Tanya getting on social media and she's like dead serious. And in a, in this like threatening tone, very, very, very strong, very serious, you know, very much like I'm done with this shit. And so Tanya's like, I've been silent and I am now going on the record to say that anyone who has been lying about me, about my F Factor products, about my family is on notice. And, and, you know, And what she means by that is she's ready to sue. She's ready to get litigious. She's ready to go after people. She's like, I'm not taking this anymore. And so she apparently sent a cease and desist letter to a bunch of bloggers, you know, just all the people that were involved in the drama. It was former dieticians that she had worked with. And and Anna describes how everybody involved just became extremely fearful. She's like, we're so, so, so scared by this. And... And so, of course, you know, nobody wants to get into a lawsuit like who wants to get into a lawsuit. Right. And so Anna wonders, you know, what's going to happen to me if I speak up? You know, I'm fine now. My digestive issues are resolved. You know, I don't want more stress in my life. Why? You know, why do I want to be involved with a scary lawyer? You know, if there's a pandemic. You know, this is scary. Like I'm I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. And so she ended up stop and she she you know, discontinued answering her emails. She was just very scared of retaliation. She did not want to go have to hire an attorney. And that was always my biggest fear was getting into a lawsuit. Here I am with my, my other business. It does, it sucks. It just, it's stressful. And, and I, you know, and if you, like, I remember this, this cop one time, I, I could have, this, this cop did something very, very, um, like not okay like grab my phone from me and start scrolling through my phone and I could have pressed charges on him but being in the cannabis industry I was scared he would retaliate against me and come after me and find a way to like mess with me and and you know people people do that like there's a bunch of psychos out there and there are you know police officers that also fall into that so I get being scared to move forward with pressing charges or pursuing something because if, if another person that you're thinking about doing that has power and money and resources, it's scary. Like you, bad things can happen to you. So I get that fear, right? And so, you know, so she's like, well, mm, screw this, I'm out, I, I'm fine. I don't even want to get a lawyer. I don't want to get involved. You know, Tanya has so much money and power. And so what ended up happening is all these people that had initially moved, you know, Talked and wanted to be on the record started just dropping off, and so so they couldn't get a lawsuit against F Factor because nobody wanted to go against Tanya, and so and so Emily was like the last person standing in this fight, you know, and and Tanya had something very special for Emily, and so Emily ends up getting a call at ten a.m. It's a New York Post reporter who asks her. Do you want to comment on your lawsuit? And Emily's like, What lawsuit? And she found out from that 10 a.m. phone call that she was being sued by Tanya for $500,000. And, you know, Emily, so while Emily's struggling to put together a case against Tanya, Tanya has had apparently a lot of success putting together a case. And so you hear, all of these allegations against Emily, you know, Miss Gellis has falsely stated that someone died from doing the F-factor diet, from using the F-factor products. Uh Miss Gellis falsely stated that people reported severe gastrointestinal issues. And Emily Gellis fiercely stated, falsely stated that F-factor dietitians were engaged in criminal activity. And you just hear like all of these, um, you know, allegations being made against her in this lawsuit, you know, that, that, that that Emily had fabricated that F-Factor had violated the law by deleting negative comments that the Zuckerbrot family had sent people to harm Emily. Uh, And so it's, it just goes on and on. And, you know, and Tanya's like, this has also been really, really bad for my business. You know, it's well documented that F-Factor product sales were a million a month. And, and since Emily's created this chaos and ruined my reputation she's like it's fallen to less than 90,000 per month. And that's really what you have to prove in a lawsuit that someone's actions has caused you to lose out monetarily and then you have to account for the lost wage or lost revenue. And that's how much. That's why it doesn't sound like a big lawsuit, 500,000, but that's probably what she could prove in a lawsuit that she lost financially from this. So you hear Tanya coming, coming on saying they destroyed my company. They destroyed it. You know, I, she talks about how she became a shell of who she was. And she's like, when the jury sees this evilness, when they see these psychotic rants, they will want to put Emily in jail. That girl belongs in prison. And so, you know, Tanya suing for 500000 talking about the impact of the emotional distress that there's been damages to her reputation. She has panic attacks. She has trouble getting out of bed. She's become despondent, anxious. She has trouble falling asleep. So it almost sounds like those are, you know, going to be like a civil action or punitive damages. But, but then, you know, so you, you hear basically Tanya uh, purporting that she's the victim here, right? Like she's suffered with her mental health. You know, Emily's made all these false allegations. It's, you know, ruined my company. And and then the narrator gets back to it. But but what about the diet? Like, is there an issue with this diet? Can we just like get that answered, please? And so the producers apparently of this podcast ended up testing an old bag of fiber powder of F-factor fiber powder. And and they, you know, they admit it's an old bag. It was opened. She said, but the COA, the certificate of analysis, ended up after we did our own independent lab testing. It was very similar to F-Factor's COA. She's like, it didn't, you know, it didn't come back with high, you know, high and heavy metals. And, you know, so that was disproved through Wondry's testing. And then, but what about the people with symptoms like Anna? You know, and and then you hear that F Factor got. You know, you hear Tanya had responded. F Factor had had reached out to Wondery, this the host of this podcast or the maker of this podcast, that the F Factor company had gotten fewer than fifty complaints, which is less than 003 percent. And you hear Tanya saying, "Look, I am sorry if you had too much fiber and got diarrhea, or if you ingested too much fiber and didn't drink enough water and got impacted." you're not a victim. Okay. The product doesn't agree with you. You had too much fiber too quickly and you had symptoms. I'm sorry for that. Now she doesn't sound sorry. She's, she sounds very defensive. Right. And, and, you know, here's the thing with, with these snippets coming in, you know, you're getting these snippets from after she, she has been being attacked. Right. And, and I, and it is normal, you know, to feel defensive. Um, with that said, right, it is important for like business owners are going to make mistakes, right? I've made mistakes as a business owner, but I think the most important thing is that you take accountability. That is huge to me. Like taking accountability is it's, it's one of the most important qualities for me in anyone that I associate with. Anyone that I hire, anybody they work with, anybody that I'm friends with, I need you to take accountability for your shit. If you don't, like I'm always looking internally for my part in any issue that I'm in. There's always you always have a part in things, whether it's the way you reacted or, you know, how you could have handled something differently and especially as a business owner, you have to come out and you have to take accountability. And so I think that's really where Tanya went wrong here. Um, she didn't sound empathetic. And so, so, so here she is, though, you hear her talking about, okay, Like, I'm sorry, if you had too much powder, that's basically your fault. If your body is not used to having all this fiber, you know, okay, you consumed it too fast without weaning yourself onto it in in higher doses. And I'm sorry, you're not a victim though. So, but here she is admitting that you can have too much fiber, right? Like some people, especially some people's genetic profile and digestive system are going to need less fiber in their diet and they can handle it. And, and, and would be prone to symptoms if they have too much, right? She's never said that. This is the first time we hear Tanya saying that. And, and the narrator is very, you know, quick to point that out. So she's like, oh, she's like, so you can have too much fiber. And, and you get the, the flashback to Tanya and you hear her in her own words saying, well, huh, you can't have too much fiber, you know? And, 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 and then you hear her say that no diet causes eating disorders, So, you know, so Tanya saying, you know, no such thing as too much fiber multiple times, right? Like she's, she's on record saying that. Um, But then saying that, you know, I'm sorry if you got inconvenienced with a rash on the diet, but it's not the end of the world, you know, just discontinue using the product. And again, it's like, it's, it's that lack of empathy, right? It's, it's sorry that happened to you, but get over it basically. And, and Casey, the, the, the narrator's like, okay, you know, look, that's one way to take that in. And you know, that that's, some people's opinion that it caused an inconvenience, but what about the people with disordered eating habits that it created? What about the people that were in excruciating pain, Um, the number crunching, how people felt about themselves after doing this diet because they felt like failures after not being able to eat that such a limited amount of carbs every day, right? Like what about those people? Like it's not, it's not a lighthearted thing and a small thing to those people, Right. And so, so, and then Tanya, again, you hear her coming on very harshly. No diet causes eating disorder. Take a a responsibility for your own actions. You can't blame me for your eating disorder to blame me for your eating disorder. That's one of the most irresponsible things I've ever heard of. And so, you know, again, this lack of empathy, this, you know, tough love, if you will, that's very tough love. Um, you know, it's way harsh to, it's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very, very unempathetic. And again, I think the snippets are coming off of Tanya being attacked. So, you know, I, I think there's, they're, it's slightly taken out of context, right? But this, these are her own words and she comes off, she does come off very bad with the way that they, these words of hers were introduced into the story. So, Um, so then, you know, you hear Casey, the narrator talk about, you know, look, Tanya's point is that she is sharing a product with, with the community. She's sharing education about a diet that people can either choose to do or not do right. I'm not forcing anyone to do this. This is a science-based diet based in high fiber, based in protein, based in limiting your carbs. You know, it's, it's not going to work for everybody. Um, but you know. And, and, and yes, Tanya's point is take your own accountability, right? If this diet didn't work for you, stop. If the products aren't working for you, stop, stop eating them, right? If, and, and, you know, there is a point in that right like we all it's just like trigger warnings right if you're watching somebody on instagram and you're triggered it's like people that could be triggered by this podcast right if i talk about my own eating behaviors or getting back on track i mean this podcast could trigger some some people and i hope that those people would discontinue listening right you do hope that people will understand when something's triggering them understand and 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 walk away um most people you know they want to be heard they want their voice heard and they also want a response to it especially if someone is if a company has not done their job in in responsibly warning people that there could be potential side effects for a small percentage of the population that is it's like both sides do have to take some accountability right and I think that people, that's, like, I think, why a lot of people didn't pursue this class action lawsuit, because they did have to kind of realize that, OK, like I, I didn't die. I didn't have these long term effects. Maybe I just had to stop using the powders. Right. Maybe that's that's why they dropped off and maybe they just didn't want to go through the rigmarole of a lawsuit. I mean, there's there's probably lots of reasons, but. And 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 the narrator talks about how this podcast did reach out to women that made complaints. They spoke to over a dozen women that that absolutely had negative impacts from this diet. Um, and 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 Casey Wilson, the the host, you know, Tanya, she's like Tanya thinks you're looking in all the wrong places for the true victim. So here's where, again. <laughs> this is this is even more where tanya lost people and and it's especially you know this we're in a we're in a culture now where you are going to be called out for the words that you say and especially if you're coming from a place of privilege especially white privilege you're going to have some some real negative feedback coming at you and that's honestly how people do face cancel culture is Not understanding their own privilege, not being aware of minorities and how what they say is impacting other people, especially minorities, especially women, especially people that are, you know, don't have the same resources that Tanya has. So Tanya's, you, and you hear her voice, so this was a live that she did, where she talks about, if I was, if you know, this is happening to me because I'm white, I'm affluent, and it's easy to come for me. If I was a minority that was poor, these women would not have dared. And she's like, other people have shared this sentiment. And, you know, you're white, you're affluent, you're pretty. There is no merit to this lawsuit. There's no merit to these claims. And and then she says, "I would dare them to do this to a minority that's poor. I would dare them." Now that it's it's almost like she's, you know, says she, I dare you, dare dare you. Like, if, thank God, it happened to somebody that's white and affluent and has the resources to do something like this. I mean, no, like we don't want this happening to a poor minority person that has no resources to defend themselves. So that honestly was really, really where she lost the popul- a large percentage of the population. Mackenzie Green, that was on my podcast months ago talking about, you know, fearing the black body. You know, she's very much an influencer in her own right and talks about a lot of these cultural issues. And that's really like that statement is definitely where she lost Mackenzie. Mackenzie was like, look, I was kind of on Tanya's side up until this episode, and now I'm definitely not. And I've said it before, there's really no underdogs in this story. I mean, Emily, Emily is not a very likable person either. I mean, she has, I mean, some of the stuff that she says is, makes people not like her. And, you know, it's, and, and, you know, I think that, but I think that that kind of racist Sentiment that Tanya shared from, you know, some of her followers and, you know, some of the people that that are F Factor fans, and you know, as she phrased them into into her own words, white affluent privileged, it, it's it's bad, it's 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 really bad. So that's definitely where you know, my listener that that wrote in. What she shared is like, look, Tanya kind of added to the demise of her company. And and F Factor is not failing. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's still a very successful program. But, you know, my listener was like, look, she could have if she had just been empathetic, if she had just dealt with these people's complaints in a responsible manner. um you know she she wouldn't be dealing with with she wouldn't have the same repercussions and she's absolutely right right like if if you do take accountability if you do show empathy if you really try to right a wrong that's been done usually you have a much better response than what Tanya's received and so so then you hear you know the narrator talk about well, you know, Tanya did say that she was struggling with her mental health, but here she is on social media showing her skiing in Aspen with her family and eating these extravagant meals and, you know, the and, and sharing, you know, she goes on live from Aspen talking about how, you know, the judge ruled that this case will go on trial and how not only is she suing for the 500,000, but then there's this other a, a second lawsuit on top of that for $250,000. Um, and she's like, look, I'm not suing her for the money. There's no amount of money that makes up for me losing my mental health for two years. I don't say this for drama. I say it because it's serious. And, and the narrator's like, well, it looks like F Factor's is doing just fine. She's like, they moved into new offices. They've got all these loyal followers. You know, they're, they're pictured in St. Bart's, this new fancy director that came over from Weight Watchers, you know, they're traveling, they're they're going to Capri, they're going to Tuscany, they're all over the world on these extravagant vacations. And Tanya looks like she's living her best life. So, you know, if she was ever canceled, she's certainly able to put that behind her. And and Emily, they they, you know, they uphold as a juxtaposition to that where Emily was not in the same place. She at the start of this found out she's pregnant And apparently she did ended up doing a a photo shoot for this company called Hatch. And it was a pregnancy photo shoot. And, you know, when she did this, you know, she did it, you know, Emily's a fashion influencer. So, you know, on her Instagram, she's constantly selling, she's selling products, she's selling, you know, different brands. And, and so she makes money from these types of brand um, activations. And she said that when she did that, that, social, that post and they posted it on social media. She said the comments online were so, there was hundreds of comments. And she said there were a lot of people that were on her side, but then there was a ton of people that like attacked her. And I don't know exactly what they said, but the company ended up taking down the post, which ended up hurting her financially. So the irony is that Emily's almost dealt with cancel culture issues because of this, because of the repercussions, because of how rabid Tanya's fans can be in support of Tanya. Um, And it's funny because like, you know, anytime there's like a drama, I do end up now going on social media and reading people's posts and comments because that people just that's what people do now they just go to people's pages and they share their anger in a comment and so you know emily of course is devastated she's disappointed she's stressed she's scared you know she's now she's like you know and and in her own words she talks about how you know here she was trying to help people and now she's getting sued just for trying to do the right thing you know she's suffering financially and you know She's like, and it's so hard to be dealing with this. She's like, because I really did it for a good reason. She's like, you know, there's a sign in New York that says, you know, if you see something, say something. And she's like, that's what I did. And now I'm dealing with this hurt because of it. I'm dealing with these repercussions. And you hear a producer for this podcast series that asks her, you know, look, do you do you feel like your fight with Tanya, like just all the drama on social media Took away from the story about the victims and did it distract from the story about the victims? And Emily's like, absolutely. She's like, you know, the antics between Tanya and I absolutely hurt the case. She's like, and it's sad because she always wanted, she's like, I just wanted justice for the victims. And it's just unfortunate how it's gotten to this place. She's like, you know, I felt like I had to defend myself when I got attacked. But, you know, she's like, at the end of the day, I did do this for a good reason but it did absolutely detract from from the the most important aspects of the story. And and the narr- narrator Casey comes back on talking about, yeah, she's like, you know, the the way that this played out on Instagram, ironically Instagram is what brought Tanya to the masses, you know, her glamorous lifestyle. People, you know, she has that aspirational life that people dream of. And and you know, will anyone be able to tell the facts from the fiber? It's a very clever cleverly written podcast and um and the producer comes back on, you just hear a producer kind of you know asking, you know, do you think that Instagram was an appropriate place for this to play out and it's funny because I watch the there the, the, there's so much drama on Instagram about this, like the people that support tanya the people that are support Emily. And it's just in everyone's posts, like it's, people are just consumed by this story. And, and Emily's like, I don't know. She's like, but that's where I work. She's like, so it is what it is. You know, if Instagram didn't exist, the story probably wouldn't have reached all the people it did. It probably wouldn't have become viral. It probably wouldn't, have it happened, you know, the lawsuit, none of this would have happened if Instagram didn't exist. And so, you know, you hear in, you know, then you, it kind of ends with, Um, you know, you hear in uh, Emily and Tanya just ripping into each other, you know, you hear Emily saying the obsession with me and Ingrid, you know, get a new hobby. Why are you so obsessed with me? Tanya saying this woman is a menace to society. She should be in prison or institutionalized. She's not well, you know, and now of course, Emily took those statements and made like branded clothing, like menace to society, which I actually think is a smart thing to do with something like that. Uh, <clears throat> You know, Emily calling Tanya a narcissist, Tanya calling Emily a narcissist, saying that, you know, she's a narcissistic sociopath, that she looked it up and and her therapist even looked it up and determined that Emily is a, the definition of a narcissistic sociopath. You know, you hear... Emily is saying, "I'm not. In, I'm not anti diet culture. I'm anti shitty person culture. So, you know, you're a crazy delusional person." And Tanya, you know, firing back at her with her own insults. And and look, their Instagram fighting is what made it entertaining. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast. Even before this whole viral series existed, I was saying how I wanted to do a, a full, you know, review of this. I would need to do some research because there's so much, right? There's so many people involved. There's so much Instagram drama. And and look, I because of because I've I've been through my own, you know, drama with my own company and facing really traumatic, devastating situations, I really do feel for everyone that's involved with this, for the lawsuit. I mean, I especially feel bad for Emily because she is she is going to face ridiculous legal bills even though her dad is an attorney I would I would imagine that she can't do this with just her dad's help alone so and I'm I'm really curious what the outcome of the trial is going to be I don't know when it's going to happen. You know, it does matter, you know, who can, you know, who can afford the best attorneys out there. Unfortunately, that does matter. So, and, and Tanya hired the, like the the person that defended like Bill Clinton and all of these really famous people. So, you know, the, the thought is probably that the, that she potentially could come out, out on top, just based on the fact that she has the best legal team in like out there. But I don't know. I, I am really, really, really curious to hear. I think the only thing that Tanya ha- or that Emily has is that uh, the F Factor didn't have warning labels initially. And they didn't, I don't think, at least this was reported. And I actually don't know if this is true or not. But apparently, like, if you look, because I I I have the F Factor powders. And so it, the serving size is, I think it's one scoop. It could be two scoops. I, I need to look at the bag again. But Apparently, at first, there was no serving size. And so, you know, that is something that they've changed probably in in light of this lawsuit. So, you know, that's the only thing I can think of that Emily might have to stand on because I don't know that anybody is going to come forward. So... Who knows? I I really am curious about that. They because of the success of this podcast, they they are going to have a seventh that just has industry experts on. So I'll probably just again maybe bring that up, maybe not in a whole podcast, but um, but I'll I'll definitely listen to it and share my thoughts on it. I do think it's a good idea that they get some experts to weigh in. I would imagine that they would have somebody on there that is an expert in eating disorders, and so we'll learn from an expert's. of view, whether diets can trigger eating disorders or disordered eating. Uh, So curious to hear about that. But anyway, so next week, uh, I am going to be on vacation, but I will be posting a review of Diet Starts Tomorrow with Jared Freed talking about uh, restaurant pet peeves. So I share my restaurant pet peeves, and Jared, of course, is the hilarious comedian who is constantly dieting, which is always funny to hear his stories and the comments that his family makes. So I will be doing that one, um, posting that next, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday. And then and then I'll be back to talk about all of the delicious food I ate on my vacation. <laughs> so uh, please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, if you have any topics you'd like me to, to discuss on this podcast, please share them. If you have any thoughts on this podcast or the series or anything that you want to share, please do. I love hearing from all of you. And then... Um, yeah, please uh, leave a review for this podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, please scroll down to the bottom, leave some stars, leave a comment. If you love me, if you hate me, would love to hear. Um, and until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.